Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Corner Store Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Kevin Koval. Happy to be in the building. It is, uh, we're, we're recording and it's sunny outside, which normally we do not get the sun because we're late night, but we are moving our recording hours anyway um, to a non-disclosed hour. I don't want mugs running up to the studio and, you know kind of you know chasing people outside like it's hot nine seven but the point is <laughs> is that i'm riding solo uh again this 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 afternoon because uh my revered co-host tarmaha davin is in the world doing fly shit um currently actually working on on articles for complex and so she is on deadline um and also traveling man tara's had a really uh incredible uh winter travel schedule i'm jealous a little bit i've been moving around but but tara seems to get really good assignments um and we're going to hear from her soon we're uh, one of the things that tara's been doing on the road is also collecting uh, mini mart episodes that we're going to start to integrate into the corner store and you'll 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 begin to hear those soon uh, right now I am I'm really thrilled to have an esteemed guest in the corner store. Yes. An incredibly <laughs> talented, funny, witty, brilliant uh woman who is uh been making a name for herself and and really I think changing uh changing helping to change a a a old and important institution in Chicago uh through a all women's uh sketch comedy powerhouse collective she the people and now you can see her on the main stage cast uh in in this latest uh this latest cast at the second city on main stage kimberly michelle vaughn is in the corner store welcome hello thank you for having me thanks for being here it's about time for real right (laughs) (laughs) that's how i feel where you been uh i've been here (laughs) okay yeah where have you been you've been busy florida yeah i've been in florida that's true and uh other places but you you have been on on a uh, i mean it's been happening yeah it doesn't stop really for you no you right now so i I will go backwards but but since we're here you are on main stage the second city how many shows a week uh six shows no eight shows a week six nights right so mondays are our only days off yeah only day off shit right yeah so that's incredible um people should go see the show i i was in the audience not too long ago wait you didn't tell me because i'll tell you because i i was with the crew and we had very strict hours of of being in and being out you can still tell somebody i was i I was gonna i knew i was gonna see you here and i also just wanted to say that not only is the show incredible and i like really strong because i saw kind of previews of it and when it was in um when you got yeah in process but man you guys figured figured out you figured it out Really? I think so. Thank you. Yeah, I, I didn't it, mean like the. <laughs> no, no, I, I, re- I really liked it, and I think I mean you know I also I'm a fan, so I think you know you are uh, a clear star, oh, um, and there you. are others on stage, and and this is not taking anything away from your castmates, but you're really doing your thing. Thank you. And uh, it's really I think like in in every moment and in this moment, it's powerful to see, uh, you know, particularly you know some of the characters that you represent on stage saying the things that you do in a public and to a public that might not be ready for all of that messaging. So I know that, you know, some of your writing and and some of even the work that you do is about changing a a kind of public narrative and conversation. Um, We're going to go back, but how, how is that going just so far? Like some of, some of your, your experience, um, you know, speaking to, 
a predominantly white, white audience. Yeah, and, and 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 an audience that that might not even be from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely like there's certain nights where they're just like, no, we're not <laughs> about it. Um, and there are other nights where they're like, yeah, we're waiting. We want right. to hear from you, which is great. Um, but there's still that frustration where you feel like you have to accommodate this specific audience where I'm like, if I talk about like in the beginning, um, for one of our sketches, we have, um, get in where I'll list off like movies that are black movies and I'll be like, girls trip, set it off. And they're like crickets. Like (laughs) they don't know. They don't know. (laughs) know. I'm like, not even girls trip. I did it for y'all. But yeah. And so I'll just be like the color purple. And they're like, ah. (laughs) <laughs> you know? so that's a weird movie to turn up for i know well yeah it's like just heightening it but right. um it's just or i'll be like friday next friday where it's like do you know yeah right so that but also i have to realize that because of that frustration it's gotten me so far where i because i for the longest didn't think i had a voice at that building i didn't think my voice should be on that stage i never thought i'd be where i am today um so going through that frustration and knowing that, oh, I do have a place here and that people are like, yeah, we need to hear this, especially like the Palestinian sketch that I wrote um, where they're like, oh, what? I mean, we don't dive into it. I mean, we can't necessarily dive into it that deep. No one can, but at least bring it up like, hey, this shit is still going on. It's still relevant. Um, So that's something where it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, like you do have a voice here. It's definitely brand new. Um, and we kind of want to still put a cup over it where we can just contain it, but still we want you to have fun and be free. And I, I'm so thankful for that. And that's, the, I would, that's a shift for yeah. you in that space and in that building particularly. Mm-hmm. So that must be refreshing. Yes. Yeah. Very refreshing. Yes. Good. Well, all right. Well, so we'll get to how you develop that voice. Okay. Um, but, but kind of, if we can go back, like where, where do you come from? Sorry, this stolen whiskey. Ooh. Yeah, it is amazing. Give it shout out to stolen whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? Actually, that that you know, can I tell you? I I have not done my due due diligence because we have some gifts for you in the corner store, and I didn't start with that. And normally I do. Uh, you are sipping on uh, the spirits of of one of our sponsors in the corner store, uh, stolen spirits, and you're enjoying their whiskey uh on on ice or with with a mixer what how are you on uh, ice on ice very mm-hmm. good on the rocks um so i hope you're enjoying that i am and in addition uh max our snack tour has uh, procured you uh various accoutrement and goodies from the corner store we have a a, a reese's peanut butter cup mini um king oh! size king size mini for you thank you um, you could you know you could open them eat on air if you wish yeah also, uh, you know, some uh, gold emblem banana chips. I love bananas, especially dried and plantains. Those are good. Yes, yep. those are delicious. And then also a uh, pressed coconut, Vita Coco coconut water. Oh, my God. Thank you. Yeah, so enjoy, um, you know, any order. If you, you know, you know, please feel free to share with your cast, castmates or Max and I, what have you. But um, Can you tell me why you chose these things for me? Max, uh Mm. Oh, banana yeah. chips are yeah. healthy. <laughs> banana chip. Well, so Max is not on the mic, but Max said that banana chips are healthy, and then a sweet contrast. I would say banana chips are, are also healthy. sweet yeah. and not healthy. <laughs> like, but not? it's the effort, Max, that counts. Um, 
Okay, yeah. You know, coconut water was also a health a health nod, perhaps. Thank you. We we hope you don't walk away with diabetes. I hope so too. Okay, um, so maybe just a few for, but you know, whatever. You're a grown woman. You do your thing. Yeah, I'm grown. Um, all right. So, yeah, where do you come from? Um, oh my god. We we like sound effects, so oh. please feel free. <laughs> um, I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, and I lived in uh, Marietta, Georgia for um until third grade and then i moved to lake in the hills or no i moved to schaumburg well really rolling meadows we call it rolling ghettos oh um at the time <laughs> is, is that... it like that yeah oh it is yeah okay yeah. i've not spent much time out there so is what is it like um now it's um different but before it was very just like um just like a bunch of apartments together and just it was just like the trashy, like there was a park. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of suburban, but like kids go missing, you know, (laughs) sounds horrible. (laughs) Wasn't the safest park. And it was just like right in our backyard. Um, yeah. And a lot of cockroaches, but it was fine. We were just like dealing with it. And then we moved to Lake in the Hills. Um, and then I moved to Algonquin, Illinois. And then that's where, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and what did your uh what do your folks do or what did they do coming up? Uh my mom, she is in sales and business. Um and my father is currently retired. Okay. Um but he used to also do sales. Yes. Nice. For nice. MSI. And uh there's a phone in the studio at WGN Radio for some unknown reason, but uh it's going off. That's that phone. I don't oh. know why. Uh, maybe they might be trying to get in touch with you already. We're not live, but oh, maybe they like, just what? they know they know <laughs> spiritually that you're that you're in the studio. Um, what uh, you, siblings? Yes. Okay. Um, so I have five siblings. Yeah, that's um, a big crew. Yeah, Christina, Eldridge, um, Candace, Kristen, and Erica. Yes, but they're all. Um, I was the only one conceived by both of my parents, um, yeah. but they had previous divorces, and therefore they're my half sisters or siblings. And so you're the baby. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And were you babied as such as a uh, kid? Um, I wouldn't say like babied, but I was definitely, yes, yeah, somewhat spoiled um, by my mom um, and somewhat my family. Like they basically gave me everything I wanted, um, but not necessarily to the point where I didn't learn right from wrong. Uh, excuse me. This is whiskey. Uh, <laughs> or maybe these eight shows a week. Right. Um, but yeah, um, I definitely had a great childhood. My parents were in my life and my siblings were too. And what, what kind of kid were you as a, as a child? Rebellious. Yeah? Yeah. From from jump? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd always, I'd be that kid that would just run away in the grocery store. Like You, you see me right next to you, then you turn around and I'm gone. And I'd be at the lobster uh, container. <laughs> Look at the lobsters. Just bugging out, kind of. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, it's yeah. wild to see, actually. Yes. Yeah. Or I'd, apparently I'd hide under the aisle, whatever shit. I don't know. Uh, yes, I'd hide under some shit. And my mom would be looking for me, like, devastated. And, yeah, she would beat my ass when we get <laughs> to the car. <laughs> She's like, you're not going to stress me out no. when I'm just trying to... Exactly. Go get some chicken breast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How did you know? Listen. <laughs> we lived off chicken breast. My family too. Yeah. yeah? My, mom, my mom's too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like a year straight of just chicken breast. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You did tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. It yes. Was, yeah. It was not great. Okay. But you get tired of chicken after a while. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But, you know, moms would flip it up, but, you know. Yeah. You got to switch it up. Yeah. So why? where does that rebelliousness come from, do you think? 
Um, I think it's because I witnessed my siblings, my older siblings, especially my sisters, um, Candace and Kristen. Um, they would always um, do something a certain way, and I would try to. I, I always wanted to emulate them, of course, but I always wanted to make it my own. Um, so I guess like I've always wanted piercings, I've always wanted tattoos, I've always wanted to dye my hair, um, I've always wanted my room a certain way, a different color. Um, I yeah, I just always wanted to be a step up. And whenever my mom was like, "Hey, like you should wear your hair this way or wear these certain clothes," they're in. I would always want to be like, no, like I want to wear just like tomboyish clothes. Like I was really insecure with my body at the time because um, I was like, what are these little mountains growing? I don't a period ah, hair. Yeah. So it's right. just, yeah. So I was like, no, I, I just want to cover up and be comfortable with that. Um, and so I would just always go against what my mother would usually want for me. She must have really appreciated that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, we still talk about it till this day. But y'all are close. Y'all are close now. Very close. Yeah, that's what's up. Uh, What were the demographics of Rolling Meadows coming up? Um, Well, I really grew up in Algonquin. In Algonquin, yeah. Okay, all right. In Algonquin, it was predominantly white. Okay. And Rolling Meadows, it was very diverse, and that's not why it was ghetto. It was just, you know, (laughs) right. Um, It was working, working class. Yes. Poor, you know. Well, I would just say just how the administration handled things. You know what I mean? Like, they're just, like, letting things just run wild. And that's just the joke it was, where it's just, like, rolling ghettos. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, Algonquin was predominantly predominantly white, and it's near Huntley, which is very hick, um, very rural. Um, but I grew up in a suburban setting, and I always felt different for being black. Right. Yeah. And so how was navigating, then, that social context and making friends and dating or doing whatever how was that being a young person also trying to understand those differences and um it was very difficult um i because i always felt like maybe i could blend in because i was light-skinned and um i was just like oh i'm not like that you know trying so hard to not be black which is really always something I've had difficulty with. Even when I lived in Marietta, um, it was still suburban, just growing up around predominantly white people. So coming there and like being in class and then um, my hair is different. Um, I was always so conscious about my knees, my elbows, you know, just like the darkest parts about me or that were different. And I would try so hard to just like not talk about it or be or even be proud of it. So um I had a lot of white girlfriends too. And I remember when we had sleepovers, we want to play Spice Girls and I would cry when they'd always make me scary spice. Cause who the hell wanted to be scary? You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I mean don't, I don't know the Spice Girls that well, but was Scary Spice also like the lone with, She was the black girl. Yeah, that's yeah, yo, that's hair. wild. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So I always wanted to be baby or ginger. You know, because they were deemed as, like, beautiful, especially, like, posh. I mean, they all were gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. But I just felt like, oh, you're black, you're this. Right. So it's constantly being, yeah, being placed in this this little thing like where you're just, like, a little, um, just, like, a little point where you can't expand or you can't um, be anything else. I couldn't just be. And that was frustrating. Um, and dating, no. No, that was never a thing. I would have crushes, of course. And I'm sure they would, too. Yeah. Um, but they would never really act on it. Um, it was very hard. And sometimes like when I came into like high school, like there were people of color 
and that I'd be like, oh, I'm interested in, I want to date them. And they're like, I'm interested in you too. But they would not date me. They would only date white girls. So, so who, who helped you navigate that or where did you go to seek solace and just maintain a, a sense of self? Um, well I did my God sister, um, she's Puerto Rican and Jamaican. So it was like nice having her. Um, but once I came to high school, we didn't really have that close bond anymore. We didn't have the same classes. Um, and I had at the time my best friend, Tina, um, she's black, she's Guyanese. And so we'd get along and like relate to that. Then she moved to Atlanta. Um, and then I would have like some group that was like pretty diverse and we were close. Um, but it was still difficult in your own skin because you're like, I want a boyfriend. I want somebody. So I turned to MySpace. <laughs> At MySpace, you could be anything. You could design your own page, put your own music. And so like, I saw that there's this guy who's cute, who's like an hour away in Carol stream. And I, he was, yeah, yeah. He was my first boyfriend. I saw in that. And once I got a boyfriend, I was like, and he's black and I'm black. I felt like more like, like, okay with myself. And that sounds so messed up to say in so many ways. I don't, I don't think it sounds you messed. Don't? No, it's, it sounds like, yeah, you, I mean, representation is, is real. Yeah. Mirrors are real. You know, if you don't see yourself in the world, then to navigate how to be in the world is extremely difficult. I understand for at that age, but looking back, it's like, I had to find that through a man, you know? I get that. Yeah, sure, so, sure, 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 sure. Back then we didn't have like what we have today where you see like black girl magic where you get to see yourself and your hair and everything. I would always straighten my hair. I would cut off my hair mm. um, just so I can straighten it and blend in more. It still wasn't enough, um, but I just really wanted to be white. Yeah. And be accepted. But even then they're just like, you're an Oreo. Yeah. Right. Cause then you can't be black enough then either. That's part of the yes. tension there too. Yes. So, when when did the arts start to come into your fold? Like how did how did you begin to get interested in in creating? Or I don't I don't know if it came. I, I also curious is how it came first. Yeah, um, I've always wanted to be in the arts. I just knew I always wanted to be on TV. When I saw Whitney Houston and Bodyguard, I was like, that's what I want to do. It's dramatic. <laughs> um, and when she sings, I was just like, oh, I want to do that. Um, and so my mom, she's the one who really saw that and saw potential in me. And she was just like, you should, you know, take some classes at Columbia College like during high school. Because I was on the dance team at our high school. But I was always in the back. I was, no. <laughs> they weren't trying to put no, you they up front? Weren't, no. They weren't trying to put you up front. And like, there's other messed up things about it. But I was just like, I don't know. I don't feel like I fit in still. Like I was trying, I think that's basically my whole um, existence throughout growing up in Algonquin is like, how do I fit in? Like, where can I fit in? Um, and so my mom, thankfully, she's found like this class at Columbia that you can take for high school students for dance. So I took modern dance there and um, I met amazing women um, from all different backgrounds, um, different races. And I love that being exposed. And I was like, oh, I love the city. It's so diverse. Um, there's so many things to do. And so, um, excuse me, um, then I started, I fell into that trap where these people come to your school and they're like, Hey, you want to be on, you want to be on Nickelodeon? You want to be on Disney? You have that look. And so I was like, Oh my God, mom, I got to audition. She's like, this is great. So you audition and they're like, yes, your daughter's a star. 
just pay a thousand dollars a week. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and we fell for it. Oh damn! Yeah, I was just like, she's That's like, so sad because those people pray. Those are those are um, yeah vultures really like uh, yes yeah. And I was just so thirsty for it. I just wanted to get out of Huntley and Algonquin. I just wanted to get out of that. Right. Um, so I would after school, I quit the dance team. I think my junior year or my senior year. And I would go to, it was John Robert Powers. I would go there. <laughs> Just sounds like a scam already. Go to their building. <laughs> sounds take, like a law firm you would see right? advertised on TV, like chasing an ambulance or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd go there and I'd take classes and I would do monologues and I'd learn stuff. And I'd actually audition in front of people, um, which it's not, it, it was a scam. It's so messed up. Um, but I did learn a lot and it really was like, oh, I, this is what I want to do. And then my mom's like, okay, well, um, you got to get your grades up. You got to do shit. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'll do that. But I, the only school I applied to was Columbia College. And she recommended that for me. And of course you get in because they'll take anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, of course, and, to stay in is a whole nother exactly, prospect. Yeah. Yes. Were you, you graduated from yes, Columbia? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. So, so, cause I'm curious then about the, obviously like you, you do get out of Algonquin. Yeah. Um, you, you moved to Chicago or you're commuting at that point? I was commuting the first semester. Okay. Yeah. And then eventually you moved here. Yes. Okay. Um, so that break, that separation, was that refreshing then to be in a city, be in a college that you had many more people who were looking like you, perhaps coming from similar dissimilar places but there was just a much wider pool of experience um yes yes um definitely coming to chicago was def like a different experience and i learned a lot more from different people um did did i answer your question yeah oh yeah, okay. yeah yeah yes um yeah, coming to Columbia has helped a lot with meeting new people. I don't want to give them too much of right, credit. Facts, yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean, I think what happens is that a lot of times people will come to any Chicago school and eventually begin to find their tribe. Yes. So, what groups or what spaces or where did you begin to go outside of school where you felt like seen or where you could have a potential home? And were, were some of those places available to you as a college age student? I mean, uh, yes, um, I didn't find it outside of Columbia. I found it at the theater school. Um, once I got my my act together, because the first semester I was just going crazy, you know, college, no parents, no rules. Um, and it wasn't until the second semester I was just like, oh, yeah, I need to find my tribe i need to find if i really want to do this i should be around that so then i started taking more classes being at the theater building seeing more shows auditioning um and then that's where i found my cool collective yeah yeah and so who who are you know some of the people or what was the vibe of that space i mean why why was that such an important space for you because everyone in theater feels like they don't fit in mm. you know oh every artist i'm sure but in that space everyone was just like you know, so vulnerable, but so open. I mean, well, yes, uh, so open to be to be giving and to nurture. And they everyone was just so curious about each other. Like, who are they? How do they fit in? And really supportive, um, I found out. Um, and that's what I loved about it. And everyone knew each other. It just felt like a little community. 
That's yeah. Be- uh, that's, yeah. Every every artist needs that space. Oh yeah. And needs that crew. Yes. Did you were you aware of improvisation? Had you been improvising at that point? Uh, when, uh, before. Before. Um. Well. When I first came to Columbia, I was like, I'm going to not do dance. I'm going to do music. Then I took music theory and I was like, I don't know shit. I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to do this. Just embarrass myself. Uh, and then uh, I took an improv class with Joe Janes and he was like, you should really stick with this. And I was like, this is so much fun. Like, you don't need a script. You can just say whatever. And then, um, yeah, that's when I stuck with it. And then I was like, oh, I should take more theater classes after that. And that's how improv introduced me to theater, really. Nice. Yeah. And then, of course, Chicago being uh, the home of kind of, you know, sketch comedy and, you know, so many spaces for improv throughout the city. Did you start Mm -hmm. to get out and go see it outside of the school? Yes. Um, I remember I went to I.O., the old I.O., yeah, and I just thought these guys—I don't know who they were. It was a late show, and it was free, um, but they were so funny. Just like callbacks, and just the games, and just really reading and feeding off each other. Um, and I just loved the atmosphere of it. It was so gritty. Um, it, everyone was just so—I don't know—just artsy and just gritty and dirty and. <laughs> It was a different environment, especially at a young age. I was like, where am I? It just felt so underground. And I love that. Um, And then I would go to the playground, which was very warm. Um, It was ran by like predominantly white men, of course. But they were so warm. And they're like, come play. Um, Whatever works. Yes, and. But when I would play, they were not feeling me. Wow. Right. Because I would just say some, you know, and I think that goes for a lot of um, black people starting off where it's like, we feel like sometimes what we say, especially in front of a predominantly white audience when we first start, it's a little bit too much for them, where it scares them, um, where it's like, oh, they have to be like, again, I can't just be. I fall into that one stereotype, that thing. Right. Yeah. So you felt the pressures of having to f- perform a very limited particular kind of blackness before the white gaze. Yeah. It's like yeah. a new blackface, Loki. Like, it's kind of like that. And I hated that for so long i felt stuck in that so how did you begin to break out of that um i think once and i'm still kind of lit like going through it where i'm just like oh i i can't be anything i can't be um any character regardless of race um i think what got me out of it was more accepting of myself because in huntley and algonquin i felt like i wasn't white and i couldn't be white I was too black. When I came to the city, I wasn't black enough. Um, so that was the trouble I was going through. And so once I started like trusting myself and just being like, you know what? I see other women that are like me, like Maya Rudolph. And so I started like seeing um, uh, like Tani Newsom or um, Nicole um, Thurman at Second City. I was like, oh, I do have a voice here. Because, yeah, they somewhat look like me and they're playing these roles, but their life, their experience, their black experience is so different than mine. So, yeah, hmm. I think just trusting yourself and your blackness. And so when did you get in, start to get involved with the Second City? Um, when did I get involved? Um, I took uh, comedy studies. Joe Janes um, recommended me and that was 2013. Fall of 2013, I did comedy studies. And ever since then, I've been stuck with them. <laughs> yeah not a bad <laughs> <laughs> did you and did you go because they have 
you know, they have education programs. And did you go through some of that? or? Did- yeah, it was such a blessing. Uh, Deanna. Um, yeah, Deanna and, Griffin. Yes. Uh, De- Griffin Irons. Irons Griffin. Yeah, Irons, De- uh, Griffin Irons. Irons. Right, yeah. Yes. Love her. Shout out, Deanna. Yeah. 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 Deanna and Beth Klingerman, they yeah. both grabbed me and they're just like, hey, you're great. Let's keep you. Let's hone your craft. Let's hone your voice. And I was like, sure. Um, so then um, I did Urban Twist. And they're like, okay, great. You need classes. And I was like, yeah, because improv ah. um so then they gave me the bob curry scholarship um i was the first recipient uh, oh, wow. for 2014 yeah and will you will you just say a little what that program is because it's, it's since expanded to right the, that program yes yeah, so yeah. um if people don't know bob curry was the first black man to grace the main stage um i'm not sure what year but it was pretty late yeah. in the game um, and so they made a fellowship program where they have um, 16 recipients that are of color or any part of diversity, gay, uh, part of the LGBTQIA community, and basically just hone their voice, hone their craft, and they can write. You take improv, and it doesn't matter your background. A lot of them were stand-ups, um, or straight theater backgrounds, um, or impro- improvisers. And then they have a show in front of NBC and like all are produced by NBC and um in front of all these big wigs um and it's a great fun two nights i believe yeah i think it was two nights maybe yeah. it was one night nope it was one night okay i felt like two nights you're just on a high right yeah and you you graduated from that program yeah um f- i graduated from that i believe spring of 2014 okay yeah and then i did conservatory um and it, this was all free all scholarships. I did not have to oh, pay wow. for it. Yeah, it was such a blessing from Deanna and um, NBC with Marissa Ross. They gave me a scholarship, um, and then I because um, you're nice too. I mean, like you you have skills, so people are like they're like yeah. What we potential. want to invest in you, yeah, potential, yeah, yeah. Thank you, yeah. Um, and I believe that was it. And then I started teaching, um, and I think that also helped me too. Just sitting back and seeing how others play that helped, and I would even take other classes. Um, outside of it that they would give to me um, as a scholarship just to keep working at it. Right. And hone your craft. Yeah. Well, and you, and you could tell, I mean, I, I, I want to kind of, you know, one of the first spaces I saw you in that was a big impact, I think, in the city was the She the People show. Uh. That was um, in the up space. Mm-hmm. Uh, that show seemed to be, uh, it seemed to come at a particularly important moment in american history uh i don't know if it was was, did it come directly after the inauguration of 45 yes it did okay Mm -hmm. and was it in response in part to that cultural moment absolutely and and can you just give us a little background about what she the people is yeah she the people was an all-female cast that um and we they also had a pre-writers room so um they had um great Second City alum come back and write some of the uh, sketch material. And then we also, as a cast, would write some stuff and pitch some stuff. And we would just show satire about how women are seen, even women of color um, are seen in America and the things that we have to go through. And how also just feminism and how um, white feminism, really, uh, too, just highlighting that and how it's an issue within the community. And... um it's still running right now with a new cast, um, fairly somewhat new, but it's phenomenal. It was so much fun. And just being working with all women was the best. 
we were on the same cycle, some of us. Um, but <laughs> it was it was the best. It looked like y'all had fun. So much fun. And it also was some of the most poignant political theater, political comedy, satirical comedy uh, in the moment. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, you know, I loved the critiques it made because like great comedy, it was digestible and also impactful, Mm -hmm. you know? So you guys really were going in on some topics that I think we, as a country, were having a real difficulty thinking about and certainly talking about and certainly talking about in such a public space. Yes. And was that part of the, the idea behind that show was to kind of put forth some things that might shift a conversation absolutely and i think when you have a cast of all women that's gonna happen um something needs to be said and it's just having a cast of all women it does say something even our stage manager our musical director women Mm. um yeah it was uh, it was funny because a lot of men would come and they'd be like oh my god i thought i couldn't laugh i thought it was just gonna be attacking me the whole time and i was like that's see that's the problem right Right. Yeah, we have a lot of work to do as yeah. guys. Yeah, that's where it's just like, are you going to feel that way if it's an all black cast, or it's like I'm not going to go. Right. You know, or it's just like what? Yeah. It shouldn't have to be that way. But you guys got some really good feedback, attention, Hell love. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and and it's a testament that the show is still running mm-hmm. too. Right. New material, so check it out. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. So so that is is still happening, and and. You moved then from there, from uh, She the People at the Up Comedy Space at Second City to Main Stage. You made that jump, which is a big jump to make. Yeah. Especially in the uh, kind of ecology of, of Second City, folks don't often make that kind of jump. No. Right. So how did that happen? And, and like, how did it feel to kind of get that, that call? I don't know. Did they bring you in an office? I don't know how it happens, you know? Well... I'll say this. I did not know. I did not suspect this like at all that this was going to happen. Like I had zero expectations. I was like, I'm going to New York. I'm going to have my titties out. Like I'm going to have fun <laughs> going to Afropunk. I'm going to live. And I got back. I get a text from my producer, Allison. And then, um, but I didn't know it was her. So I was, they're just like, Hey, are you free Wednesday at four? And I was like, oh, who is this? And I was like, um, yeah, who is this? And they're like, it's Allison. And Allison Riley. Yeah, Allison yeah, Riley. Allison. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she was just like, you need to save my number. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and she's like, can you meet tomorrow? I was like, yes. So I came in and it was Matt Hubdy, Claudia Wallace, and um, Allison Riley. And they're just like, um, I sat down and they're like, we appreciate your work. We love your voice. And we thought you're great. And she the people. Um, and Hubdy's like, you want to do this? And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> so excited. Um, I just couldn't believe it. I was just like on a high. I was like, fuck, like this is crazy. The main stage, like, oh my God. Like, what does that mean for folks who might not know just even as an artist who, you know, might have been, I I don't know if you were kind of desiring that at all, like to be on the main stage or or not, but, but as, uh, an actor, improviser, writer, comedian, what does that mean in, in terms of being able to be on that stage night in and night out? Uh, it is honestly a, an honor because, um, excuse me, um, I'm not crying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's not. I can verify. <laughs> uh, uh, it's so it's such an honor because uh, Tina Fey, uh, Rachel Dratch, uh, Stephen Carell, uh, even just 
even people who I'm I'm sorry are not on didn't do SNL or went on to do whatever further with their uh, career in Hollywood. I, I feel like just those people have done so much on this stage for me to have a voice and to be on there. And it's it's such amazing. The cast is phenomenal. So I was really excited about that because they have taught me so much to just play more. You know, it's it, it's main stage, but it's it's not serious. It's nothing is serious. You know what I mean? So just have fun. And I'm on the highest level uh, at Second City. I'm basically in heaven. I'm like, I'm not in purgatory anymore. Mm. <laughs> and you, you feel that? Yeah, it, it, it's really fun. Like just to be at the highest level and and just know like, oh, like don't tell me sky's the limit. Like I can, there's so much more to push through. Like there is no ceiling at this point. Um, and the blessing to have exposure, to have more people come see. And the thing is, we'll always have a show. It's always going to be sold out. People are always going to come see the show. And sometimes I do take it for granted. I'm not going to lie. Because I'm like, I would like a day off or right, three. of course. Yeah. Um, but just knowing that, that security that someone's going to see me. They may not like me. They may not like what I have to say. Or they may love what I have to say. They may lo- love me. That's just great to just be seen. Well, in this stage is, has, continues to be a, a proving ground, a launch pad then into other spaces in the entertainment industry. Yeah, you know. Right. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, a lot of people go straight to SNL, both as actors and as writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people get involved in, in other ways. I mean, people have, you know, really incredible careers as comedians, as, as right. I think, I think Second City produces some of the best writers. Absolutely. Uh, in comedy. In, you know, over the last, I don't know, 60 years, whatever it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I want to talk about about what is on in this show currently, what it's called and how people can go see it. But I, I wonder if you have you already began to think about what's next or do you are you kind of so entrenched in the everyday of this show, especially because it's still a very new experience? Yeah. Have you I, I mean, have you thought about? I'm going to Saturday Night Live. I'm going to these things next. Um, I, I'm always thinking about what's next because that's just the Aries in me, you know? Um, yes, I believe in astrology. Man, man. Yeah, that's okay. We're a, <laughs> we're a wild people. So, yes, yeah. very wild. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm always thinking about what's next. Um, I'm writing new stuff for myself. Like, um, I'm learning that, oh, I can write for other people. And I don't necessarily have to be in it. Um, I'm also auditioning more. Um, so I, I really would love to be in movies. I would love to be in pilots, new shows. Um, I really like dramas. Um, I just want to keep that create creativity going. Um, I'm not saying where I am right now isn't right. And I definitely need to live in this moment more um, because there's still so much I need to learn. And um, But I'm, I feel that I do need to look at what's next for me. And what I feel like is next for me is definitely movies or TV shows and maybe possibly moving to LA. Oh, dope. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we will be sad to see you go. Um, in the meantime, uh, tell us about, about the main stage show. What's it called and, and what can people expect uh, in this show? Okay. Uh, it is called Algorithm Nation or The Static Quo and it is our 107th review. I know. And um, it, I'm just going to let y'all know, um, spoiler alert, uh, it opens with gunshots. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Guns kind of find their way in and out. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah. And that could be triggering to some, which I totally understand. Um, but we're saying a lot throughout the whole show where we're very excuse me, unapologetically just like hitting it hard where um, we're calling out everyone, liberals and conservatives. And um, it's talking about how basically that's why we call it algorithm nation, which goes to like rhythm nation with Janet Jackson. Hey. People don't know. Hey. But um, yeah. So um, how what we see on our phones really shapes our mind to things, you know, and um, even just speaking, if I talk about pigs, I swear whenever I go on Instagram, I'll see pig videos and it's just like your phone's always listening. So what you say or your point of view, that's all you're going to see. So we uh, quote unquote say that like this show is designed for you, this audience specifically. Um, so it's kind of like our um, like this is your fault. So what's happening in America? It's everyone's fault here. Everyone's held accountable. Uh, one of my favorite uh, sketches is is that white liberal scene <laughs> where you and uh, Tyler. Tyler, yeah, come over as a couple to this white. I don't want to give it away, but but I, I think that that the critique of white liberalism in that moment, and particularly a kind of like even like a Chicago white liberalism, is yes. really is really poignant mm-hmm. uh, in in that piece. Thank you. Um, do you like you guys write the show together? Yes. And so how do, how does that work? I mean, um, some of it is done through sitting down and writing a sketch individually you bring it to a group some of it's found through improvising a scene and then kind of working out some of the best bits there how does how does all of that process uh work and uh prior to putting up the 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 main stage show so all of the above so either we'll come in with pitches which means like we can be like hey i want to be a dad you uh be a daughter great we're gonna do this scene um and we'll just improvise it, but be like, I, I know I want to talk about X, Y, and Z, right? Um, or you'll just come in with a written script and be like, okay, let's just workshop this. And then um, sometimes we'll just be like, as a group, like, what do we need? What else do we need to say in our show? Um, and sometimes we'll just write it together. Um, and then the day of during process, so we'll do our whole show for the set. We'll put it in and we have to be off script. So we'll pitch it that day, put it in the show. That's just how productive we have to be. Right. Wow. That's yeah. And and the show changes really every night because every night you're also I mean, even if you're just doing the script, I mean, there's moments that you find in a scene, I think, to maybe turn up or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but you're also improvising in the show most nights or every night mm-hmm. as well. Um. Yes. Well, especially during process. Yeah. Right. Um. When you know, like, OK, I can find new discoveries, make new discoveries, which is great. Um, but sometimes even now, like we have to update some of our stuff because it is somewhat political and things are changing. So we'll improvise and be like, oh, they got a laugh or, oh, they, they don't get it. Um, so it's kind of like always evolving. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have a, a lot of talents that you get to see, uh, in this, in this show. Um, you're dancing a little bit. I dance the whole show. The whole show. You're, um, <laughs> you're, you're also, you drop some bars. Do I? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, what's your shine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's uh, so funny. Yeah, which is which is awesome because you could rap actually for real. Yes, I can. Yeah, <laughs> and is that something that like are we eventually are we going to see like an album out of you like a mixtape? What's what's happening? I would love that. Yeah, I would love that. Um, I think that's what I need to get to writing to. For real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't worry. 
it, no, none of y'all really listen to it. <laughs> Unless I put out a video, a lot of ass, and you'll <laughs> <laughs> then you'll love it. I promise, ass. Yes, yeah. with my Obama <laughs> That's right. political yeah. thumb. That's right. <laughs> I promise, ass. Um, so yeah, I, I will do a lot. I will make a mixtape. Thank you for that. Hey, no, you should. But what's your sign was created by um, Ryan. Nice. And because we were all obsessed, especially the women, we're like astrology. Like you know, I'm a Cancer. I'm a Aries. And we're just like, oh my god, I feel this way. I feel this way. And it's just so fun. And then when you go to audience member, and I remember our director's like, no one's gonna know their sign. That's so old. And I was just like, you have no idea how people are so you know into it now. It's especially heightened with on your phone with your algorithm. So. um Go to people in the audience, old, old ass men, and be like, "What's your sign?" I'm, like, I'm a Sagittarius, and it's just like they know. And so, just having fun, like improvising with that too, just like calling them out because, like, every sign sucks. There's no perfect sign. <laughs> Except Aries, with Aries. Us. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> Max, what's your sign? Scorpio. Scorpio. Oh, do you want to improvise, <laughs> Max's about Max's sign? Can okay. you? Can you? Mm. <laughs> you are so reliable sex undeniable passion indescribable but there's just one problem scorpios are crazy as fuck y'all just want to be choked all the motherfucking time yes you do and you're like why are you obsessed with me oh my god why aren't they obsessed with me all the motherfucking time but you know what you need to grow up okay <laughs> all right not everyone wants to be choked <laughs> wow <laughs> that seems uh that seems really personal and max um i no, know I too much Scorpio. about you oh you, oh you do okay. oh my god yeah oh, okay, okay. they're fine that's know some freaks hey there you go <laughs> max do you feel seen or disturbed that's spot, that spot on okay spot wow. on? that's okay wow. i'm disturbed um everyone likes to be choked hey so <laughs> kimberly where where can people uh where should people go to get tickets for the main stage um, you can go to our website yep. at www.secondcity.com. I think that's right. <laughs> These seconds, I don't know. In Chicago, not Toronto. That's right. Or LA. Right. It's in Chicago. And we have shows, um, Tuesday through Sunday. Um, Tuesday through uh, Thursday is at 8 p.m. Friday and Saturday, 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. And Sundays at 7. And you guys improvise after the late shows. Every motherfucking night. Is every motherfucking Friday. night. Yeah. <laughs> And the improv set is free, too, right? Yes, it is. So people, you don't have to see the show. You could just come in. But people should see the show. It's a really, Absolutely. it's a really, it, it's it's a great show. It's it's funny, but it also, uh, I think, offers something in this chronic moment of political discord that, you know, is really important to, to see and hear. So, no, thank you. Thanks Sometimes for doing that work. Sometimes you forget that it's a great show. Yeah. Just yeah, so well, because you're doing kind of, it, yeah, yeah, eight times a week, I'm sure is not easy oh yeah but you're just like oh just not in the moment sometimes but yeah 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 um i'm gonna ask you one more question well i'm gonna ask you two more questions how how because that is such a rigorous schedule of of performing how do you prepare and and do the work of Mm self-care uh in order to be ready to 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 put it all out there every every night um what i've learned is don't stay inside even if it's cold do something go go to a plant shop i like i love plants um i also am in therapy i see a therapist um every other tuesday um and i also like to go to like coffee shops or new restaurants catch up with friends old friends um this job can be um very just a lot yeah but at the end of the day the cast is going through it too so you can always depend on them too and sometimes you're like hey you need your space 
I need my space. Once we get on stage, we'll do it. We just got to take care of ourselves mentally and vitamins, lots of vitamins. Bet. Um, and where can people find you on the internet? Oh my God. Banana chips. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at suburban black girl, but black girl doesn't have any vowels except for suburban. And then uh, my website is Kimberly Michelle Vaughn.com. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Chicago, go see the show. If you've not already, go back again. It's it's really great. And, and thank you so much for being thank with you. us this afternoon. Uh, long time coming. And it's great to see you. You too. Thank, thank you. you. Yo, we want to thank DJ Exist for the beat. Langston Olsen for the art. Big ups, Todd Manley at WGN Radio. And Max and Dami, the corner store interns. Salutes to our super producer, DJ Cash Era. You can keep in tune with the corner store at cornerstore underscore pod on Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud. Also, you can stream and download the corner store wherever you listen to podcasts. And please rate and subscribe and comment on iTunes. Please, y'all, consider giving us those five stars. Thank you for listening. We're going to see you next week. The Corner Store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.